Hello, bonjour and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. If you don't know us, welcome. Where have you been all this time? And if you appreciate us, please tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to give us a five-star reviews because listen, we are worth it. The stories we share on this podcast are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. Have you ever wondered what your life would be if you could stop pleasing people? Do you have some challenges saying no? Do you find yourself drowned taking care of everybody's life without even finding the time to take care of yourself? And those are deep questions, right? They are not easy. Our standout guest, Dan Brown, is the renowned best-selling author of the book, It's Time. She will share her transformational journey and discuss actionable strategies to break free from the constraints of pleasing people, ultimately allowing you to lead more effectively and authentically. So please help me welcome down to the Stand Up Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me. That was a fantastic introduction. Today's topic is a touchy one. It yes, is yes. a topic that I feel a lot of people are suffering in silence and I used to be one of them so that's why I'm, I'm super yeah. excited to learn more about your story because I want to know and I want to learn how did you overcome the, the pattern of people pleasing. Down, tell us a little bit about yourself. What were your aspirations growing up? Did you envision being a leader? Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that story. Um, growing up, I was pretty much what you would just call a bossy kid. I was pretty bossy. And um, at the time, it was seen as, you know, don't be so bossy and don't tell others what to do kind of thing. And as I grew up and I got older, I look back now and I'm like, that was just untapped leadership, right? Like being bossy is just a skill yeah. that you need to refine kind of. But at the time, I didn't know that. And I also never really dreamed of being a leader per se, but I did want to teach. I've always like, played school and my friends were in the classroom and give them like fake tests and have my stuffed animals listen to me teaching. So I always wanted to teach others. That's something that I've been very passionate about since I could remember and writing. I was always writing on the walls in my house. My mother didn't appreciate it, but if I felt the inspiration or I had a quote or something I wanted to remember, I would literally just get a pen and write it on my bedroom wall. <laughs> and so, yeah, that didn't go too well with my mom, but eventually <laughs> when I got older, what I would do is actually write it in my closet. So I'd part my clothes and write on the back of my closet wall and put them back together so she wouldn't see them. Um, and so that's how I'd remember thoughts or things that really stood out to me. I'd write them right on the wall. So that's what I did as a kid. And I saw myself as being someone who could one day write, but really someone who could teach. That's where it started. So tell us a little bit more about the vision of of leadership back then that you had. Did you have any role models? Uh, for sure. One for sure was my mom. Um, she was kind of like that person who was the glue in our family, right? So if anything went wrong or some people weren't getting along, she's like, no, get together. We're going to fix this. You know, she would really take a stand. Um, she was also very, very strong in telling me um, not to, for lack of a better word, conform to what the school thought I should do. Mm. So, you know, guidance counselors would tell you, I think you'd be good at this, or I think you'd be good at that. My mother would always say to me, you decide what you wanna do and you go and do it. Don't let anyone tell you what you're good at or what you're bad at, you can do whatever you want. And so that was my first kind of 
um, realization on, you know, how to just make a choice for myself, you know, like she really was big on teaching me how to make decisions, right? So I give you an example. I used to like to not really eat dinner. And I just wanted to have ice cream or cookies or something kind of crazy. And so I remember one time my mom's like, not a problem. You can eat what you want for dinner. However, regardless of how you feel tomorrow morning, you're going to school. And so, you know, I thought I'm grown, whatever. I, I had the ice cream. And the next morning, of course, my stomach was hurting. I felt gross. I felt sick. And she's like, oh, you're going to go to school. And so it was kind of like my first lesson in being a leader. Like when you make a decision, you have to follow out the consequences, be the mm -hmm. good or bad of that decision. Right. So I'd say my first example of leadership was really my mother. And the second example I had was looking at talk show hosts like okay. Sally, Jesse, Raphael, you know, maybe I'm dating myself here and, you know, um, Phil Donahue and like these, these really old school talk shows where they actually talked about topics. And it was somebody who kind of took the lead in the conversation and said, you know what, let's share your story. I'm going to give you a platform to answer my questions. Mm -hmm. And I really, really enjoyed that because although it wasn't necessarily teaching from them, they were leveraging the skills and the the experience of others to really send a message or to share something. So I would say early on, that's where I really kind of drew my inspiration from was just talk show hosts. I don't know why I really love them. And just my mom really instilling in wow. me, you know, not to let anybody allow me to conform to what they wanted to be my own person. So listening to you, it looks like, you know, you were bossy, you were pretty much strong, you know, assertive and, So where is the connection here with you being that <laughs> strong child and to becoming maybe at some point in your journey, a people pleaser? What happened? So what happened was um, at a very young age, like maybe right before the end of high school, um, unfortunately, my mother passed and she was a single mother and I lived with her. And so I had to kind of be on my own now, right? So kind of at 17, being an adult, you know, providing for myself, you know, you know, getting my own place kind of thing. And that kind of a transition really, really shifting. I didn't have that covering anymore. And so what I learned from the world is that the world doesn't really work like that. It's not this thing of where people are going to always encourage you or tell you that you're amazing or that you can do it. They're kind of going to steer you into a direction that nine out of 10 times benefits them, right? Like naturally. And so as I got certain jobs or as I started to put myself through school, I realized that I would hang around with certain friends but maybe they would be my friend because I had a car. And if my car broke down, I wouldn't hear from them. And then I'm like, oh, but I don't want to be lonely. I want to have people around me. And so that's mm -hmm. where I began realizing that, oh, if I do this, or if I say that, or if I dress like this, or if I behave like that, then you'll, you'll quote unquote love me, or you'll be around me. And so to replace that love, to replace that position of my mother, I started pleasing people around me to have them close to me so I wouldn't be by myself. So that's where the transition went from being strong and independent and having support. When my support system kind of fell out from the bottom, it was like, okay, well, wait, wait, wait a second. I don't want to be by myself. How do I fix this? So that's where it began to change and things began to flip. Okay. And, and can you give us a definition of being a people pleaser? What do, does that mean and how does it impact your authentic self? I think the definition I use is always putting your desires at the end, always putting your desires to the back. And no matter what you want, if you really don't like something or you really don't want to do something, you do it just for the sake of others. And that's not to be confused with serving people, right? I think serving is an excellent thing. We should all serve our family, serve our community. We should all help others and serve others. But when you just don't do things that are Uh, authentic to yourself and you only do things that please other people 
after a while, for me personally, you kind of forget who you are. So you can't even really be who you are. You can't be your authentic self. You can't walk out what you were, you know, your God-given talents because you don't even remember what they are. Sometimes you can get to a place of doing it for so long that you eventually feel like, you know what? Yeah, I, I go skiing every winter with all my friends. You know, I, I'm a skier. Maybe you hate skiing and you want to sit down and crochet, mm. right? But you just never mm. had the the guts to to stand up and say, this is not what I want. This is what you want. That's great. But what about what I want? And even in that transition, there is sometimes some loss, right? Because you will lose friends mm-hmm. and you'll of you'll course. lose the very thing that you're tra- you're chasing. However, what you'll gain from the authentic self and who you bring into your life at that point is irreplaceable, right? But when you're in that position of people pleasing, you don't see that. You just see that lonely transition of, do I want to be by myself? Do I not, do I not want to have anyone around me? No, I don't. And so, you know what? Let me just keep on doing this. And then you forget who you actually are. And when did you realize that actually you you were no longer authentic to yourself and that what you were doing basically was pleasing others? It came uh, when after I had my first son. So I had my first son and I was on maternity leave, you know, your home. And all of a sudden, I wasn't doing all the things I normally do. I wasn't with all the people I was normally with because I'm at home with a newborn. And it's funny because I think it was my husband who asked me, he's like, don't you miss going to so-and-so? Don't you miss so-and-so? And at that moment, I literally was like, actually, no, I hate doing that. You know, and it was like this aha moment of, hang on a second, how many years have I been doing this? And why am I doing this? And then fast forward, fast forward, it got even more amplified in the pandemic when we were forced to stop doing all these things and we were forced to stay home and find new ways to entertain ourselves, new ways to connect with people. I found that the people that I was always connecting with weren't the ones I was now choosing to be with Mm -hmm. because, you know, you had to be very intentional about who you're around and, you know, when the world opened for a minute, you know, where are you going to go spend your time? And I found myself not choosing what I thought I was before realizing that isn't really what I wanted. I was doing it because of associations, right? Oh, we are all in the same workplace. Okay, let's go to dinner. Let's go to lunch. Oh, we all go to the same, you know, mom group. Okay, let's hang out. But it really wasn't what I wanted to do. So the initial time I realized was when I had a baby and I was kind of isolated by myself and I realized, yeah, I don't miss that at all. I'm glad I'm not doing it. And then the pandemic reinforced that and said, you're absolutely right. I do not want to do those things. And then was the discovery of, who am I? What do I want to do? And hence the book that started at that time as well, too. So it is it is quite recent, though. Do you think you would have come to the same realization if your husband had not asked the question? I think eventually you all get there because something inside of you gets very tired and you just get to this place where you're like, is there not more to life? And if you hear yourself asking that question, like, is this it? Do I just wake up? go to nine to five, do what everyone else wants. Like, I feel like you get to a place where you realize like, you know what, this is not what I want and there's gotta be more. And when you ask those kind of questions, you get there. But I think that my husband combined with me being at home with the baby, you know, kind of isolated quote unquote, is what really triggered it. And sometimes being by yourself is not a bad thing, but that can also help to trigger you into that place of self-examination and realizing "Mm, this is not really what I want. Mm. And we have a good question actually here because it's more about the process going from being a people pleaser to authentic to yourself. 
where their specific challenges or fears you had to confront during your journey towards liberating yourself from people pleasing and how did you navigate them? That's a good question. I cannot see the name, but that's a good question. Uh, yes, there were. Um, and I'll just talk about the biggest challenge I found as many, but the biggest challenge was that question in my head was, what if they don't like who I really am? What if they don't like me for me? And you have to come to a place where you have to understand that I'm not for everyone, right? I'm okay if everyone doesn't like me. And that's a hard thing to walk through. It's much easier said than done in a, in a, in a half an hour podcast. But I think that once we realize, hey, I have to be okay with me. And I think the biggest challenge was, what if I don't have any friends? What if I'm not invited to the parties? What if I'm not invited out? What if my my kids don't have, you know, other moms and kids to play with kind of thing? It was like, what if? And I think that was the biggest thing where I had to decide that, what if I have to be okay with that? What if there is none, right? And when you accept that, I feel like that's when you overcome that hurdle and that doesn't happen. Everybody has someone and you begin to hang around or meet or be in the right circles and be in the right places and then meet people who actually do the things you enjoy and then it becomes fun. It doesn't become this, yeah, I'll be there, kind of rolling your eyes, you know, you actually yeah. go because you want to. So that was the biggest challenge, I would say, the fear of what if they don't like the real me? Okay. And once you you become self-aware of who you truly are, and once you have identified what you want to do, or maybe does it come naturally to identify what you want to do? What you know, are, what are the things that will make you happy? Or do you need to do some introspection? So what's the process here? Is it like a light bulb moment? Okay, I don't like this. This is what makes me happy. This is what I want to do. Or you realize that, okay, you know, this is not who I am. This is not who uh, I want to be. This is not what I want to do. But then who am I supposed to become and what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. For me, it was not a light bulb at all. It wasn't this one moment where I just woke up and I said, you know what? I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly what I want to enjoy, what I want to enjoy. And so for me, it was a process of stopping things and starting things. So I would suggest for anybody who's in that transition, like I said, if you're doing people pleasing long enough, you're not actually going to even sometimes know who you are and what you like. So I would suggest trying new things. You know, I naturally am an introverted person. So I would try to go to a networking event or I would try to go to, you know, something else, so to speak. But I had to try different things and trial and error and trial and error and trial and error. And as I tried enough things and I saw them, I discovered new things about myself that I didn't know. And I reignited things that were old passions of mine. So I would definitely say it was not an aha moment for me. I had to go through trial and error to try different things to see what I actually liked. I love that. It, it is not easy. And you know, the thing is, I'm glad you are sharing your own personal journey and challenges because when you look on social media, and I often, you know, mention social media here on the podcast, because listen, we live with it, right? And yeah. oftentimes we craft a, a reality based on what we see on social media. And when you look at social media, people make it look so easy yeah to the yeah. point that when you realize that it is not easy it doesn't come easy um to you 
you start questioning yourself and you start doubting yourself, right? When actually this is a process, would you say that it is a painful process? At times I'd say it's painful, and I, but I, I use the word lonely because when you're mm. trying new things or you're going to a new place, it's unfamiliar. You may not know anybody. You don't know what to expect. And so it's very scary sometimes, right? Like if someone says to you, hey, Doreen, you know, uh, I'm going to try skydiving because I've always wanted to try it. Let me go get a group of friends. You don't know what's going to show up there. And when you show up to that new group, maybe they've been together for a long time and they all know each other and you're the outsider coming in. So I would mm -hmm. say that it was lonely and there was a lot of fear there, but the only way to get through it is to try it. Right. And so I really feel like to your point, what you said, social media was something I had to limit in that time, because when I look at other people, we end up doing the comparison game and comparison yeah. is horrible, especially when you're trying to find yourself, because you can easily say, yeah, I like that. That looks good. Okay. That's who I am. Meanwhile, no, it's just a curated picture. The person took 25 takes, you know, from the neck down, they're not even dressed properly, mm -hmm. right? The background's a mess. So <laughs> it's really important that we physically go out and try things and not just pick from a menu that we see online. It's not real. It's just not real. Ooh, don't pick the menu that you see online. You should remember yes. that one, people. <laughs> <laughs> we have another question here. Can you recall a moment or experience where you consciously chose authenticity over people pleasing and how uh, you felt about it yes so after you go through this transition of you know what i know who i am i know what i want to be there will always be invitations to go back there'll be always something that pops up that tries to draw you back to who you were and the things you didn't like and when that happened to me it was a moment to kind of get caught up in you know certain experiences or certain um, activities i used to participate in and i have to stop and ask myself all this work that i've done to move away from that and all this time that i've 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 placed and you know the effort we've put in to actually say okay that's not who i am anymore i can be my authentic self do i really want to go back and do that it's really a question you have to ask yourself and it made me feel like well i can go do it but i'll be so unhappy And now how I feel inside when I compare that to where I was, do I want to go there? The answer is no. So it was really a matter of me doing like a self-check. Do I want to go back or do I want to keep moving forward? Because as I keep moving forward, I'm discovering new things. I'm having a great time. I'm learning more about myself. So why would I go back there? So there'll always be opportunities to go back, right? Like you lose weight, there'll be opportunities to just put it back on. You know, you, you start a new job, there'll be opportunities to say, I don't like this one. I'm going to go back to where I was, right? There's mm. always opportunities to go back. So it's a conscious decision all the time to keep moving forward and not going back to where you were. And I would say it is probably easier to go back. Yes. <laughs> than forcing yourself to move forward. Familiar, right? We, we like the familiar. We know, we know what it is. And, you know, there's a phrase that says, you know, the demons, you know, you know, you might go to buy a new car, but your old car, you have to hold, you know, hold the emergency brake and wrap the seatbelt a certain way. It's not safe, but because you know it, you're like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get to know a new one. I'll drive it, but it's bad for you. It's not good for you, mm -hmm. but because yeah. it's so familiar, we stick with it. Yeah. And for the people listening and, and watching us, um, what practical steps, you know, could they start implementing right away today? you know, to, to break free from the habit of uh, pleasing people? Number one thing I would say is anything you're going to do, ask yourself why 
at least three times. So you might say, you know what? I volunteer at the soup kitchen once a month. Why? And whatever answer you get, then ask yourself why again. Continue to ask yourself why. And if you get to this place where you're like, I don't know, I don't even know why I'm doing it. I suggest very strongly that you reconsider or at the very least pause until you can understand the reason why. And no matter what you're doing, even in things I like right now, you know, I'll be talking to my husband or my family and we'll think about a new project. And the first thing we stop and ask ourselves is, okay, why do we want to do this? What would be the outcome? What would be the purpose? What would be the, you know, the return on it? What, like, what's the purpose? Who's it serving? Why? And if we don't have good enough reasons, we don't even bother to waste our time because there's a lot of good things you can do, but you don't know why you're doing it. So I would say if you're on that transition of, you know what, I don't want to be a people pleaser anymore. I want to actually be the real version of myself, the best version of myself. Ask yourself why you're doing the things you're doing. And the time is now. It is yes. time. It's so tell, time. Us more, tell us more about your book. <laughs> yes, thank you. So it's time is about unleashing your inner power. So how can you now take the things you've been through, right? Take some of the I call it in the book fertilizer. So things that were kind of crappy and things that weren't so great about your life. And how can you take lessons? How can you glean from them and move forward? Because we cannot go back and change our past. We cannot go back and redo what happened. We cannot go back and get the apology that we think we deserve. But how do we take what we've learned, take the lesson, take what's happened and move forward with that and not be forward as, move forward as a victim, but move forward as somebody who has more wisdom or more knowledge. So when you may happen to get in that situation again, now you know what to do, right? Now you're stronger for it. And now you can even help somebody else. And so instead of, you know, um, going down the path and saying, okay, well, you know what? Last time this happened or, you know, the last time I was in a relationship or the last time I met a new friend, right? You don't have to live from that place. You can now live from a place of, you know what? I know what happened last time and moving forward now I'm wiser. So I use that to my advantage now versus complaining or be a victim or they hurt me or look what they did to me. Let me take the lesson and use it to make myself stronger. Okay, so ask yourself why three times. At least. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least. And next At year, least. Yes. you understand your why. Yes. It is so much important. It sounds so simple, but it is so so challenging, intricate at the same time. Dan, my last question to you, what would you like to be remembered for? In general, I would like to be remembered for being someone that encouraged people to live out their why. Why do you want to write? Why do you want to sing? Go and live that out and create something that outlives you, right? So for example, you have this amazing podcast. So when a future generation comes and says, you know, I really want to learn how to be a leader. I really want to learn, you know, from people. They can come here and they can glean from you because your YouTube channel will outlive you. And that's a very good yeah. thing. So this is one of those positive ways that we can use social media or writing or singing or whatever it is to create something with your why that will outlive you. And it will encourage someone you'll never meet and that you'll never know and that will come long after you. So that's what I want to be remembered for, encouraging people to build things that outlast them, that really solidify why they walk this earth. What a beautiful way to end this conversation. So for the people who would like to buy their, your book, it's on Amazon. Where can they find it? You can go on Amazon or you can go to my website, IamDonBrown.com. So you can go there, you can reach out to me, you can go to Amazon and look it up by its title. It's time, my name, Don Brown. Um, there's several ways you can purchase the book, but those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of it. 
And, and we will share the links uh, in the description and with the podcast as well. So no worries, you will have an easy way to have access to the book. Dan, thank, thank you so much for sharing your personal journey with us. That was uh, quite inspiring. And, and, you know, as someone myself who, uh, do I want to use the word suffer? But I would say, yes, suffer from uh, being a people pleaser because, you know, it is like an internal uh, a pain battle. right yep. that yep. and battle that that you have to to manage i feel like yes it takes time it takes work and there is a lot of uncertainty along the way but damn it is so much worth it <laughs> <laughs> it's good when you get there absolutely absolutely and thank you so much for having me this was amazing and um yeah it's great always great working with you doreen always Thank you. You take care. You stay safe. Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. Bye.